So millions of people in Europe have been suffering with extreme heat waves this summer. There's been a second one that's been doing the rounds, and I'm sure you've come across news reports regarding that. The uh, temperatures soaring near 43 Celsius or 110 Fahrenheit in certain locations, records being broken, climate scientists warning that this is the kind of thing that could become the new normal. So from Belgium to Germany to the Netherlands to France, even the UK, um, places you wouldn't associate with extreme heat, places where people are not equipped with air conditioning, for example, generally speaking. Uh, You can imagine how tough that would have been. Emma Pearson is a reporter for the local France and joins us on the scene today. Good morning from Seoul. Hello, good evening. What's the weather like at the moment in France? Oh, well, thank God it's slightly cooler today. We're back to we're back to normal temperatures for the summer as the heat waves moved off to Scandinavia a little bit, but it was uh, fairly hot last week. But that's even more bizarre, isn't it? Nordic countries in the summer going into anything like soaring temperatures. Yes, absolutely. And there, uh, some of the people there are really struggling because obviously their houses are not designed at all for uh, for high, high temperatures. They're designed for cold winters. So it's uh, been quite tough for people in Norway and Sweden. Yeah, I mean, France is a country that, well, it's a holiday destination. The fact that many Brits, for example, uh, go there for their summer holidays suggests that it's uh, often known to be warmer than, than uh, for example, um London, but Paris is is further north. It it experiencing forty two point six Celsius, um, an all time high. What were those conditions like? Can you give us a bit more detail on on the reality on the ground in France? Um, it was uh, yes, it was pretty warm on uh, on Thursday, which was when we had our uh, our temperature peak. Um, fortunately, the city of Paris was quite organised. The local authorities had their hot weather plan in uh, in place a few days in advance. So there was a network of cool rooms that were in place. There was a map where you could see where the nearest air conditioned place was. There was support for people who were old or people who were ill who were suffering in uh, in the heat. So there was quite a lot in place. But having said that, it was still very, very hot, particularly on the metro when uh, when you were commuting into into work temperatures there were just awful, quite frankly. Yeah, so they weren't even able to equip the metro with with cooling devices, which, like you say, sounds pretty hellish. But what about casualties? Uh, well, we haven't really had the um, the July figures yet because it's not the it's not the end of the month. So far, it doesn't really look like we've had much in the way of casualties. I think because um, the authorities were quite organised this time. I think the the thing that was really haunting the government in France was the heat wave that we had here back in two thousand and three, uh, when fifteen thousand people died of uh, of excess heat, and uh, that was obviously quite a traumatic time. And since then, they've done a lot in terms of emergency planning and um, putting things in place to uh, to mitigate the effects of it. So I think that's why we've not seen the level of casualties that we saw back then. Understand, and that's a reminder that this isn't just a a phenomenon of of today we have seen bursts of heat in the past but this does fit a pattern and scientists are linking extreme weather aren't they to to climate change yeah, certainly. I mean, this is actually the second heat wave that we've had this summer. There was one back at the um, at the end of June where we saw very, very high temperatures. Um, and that was actually where France as a whole 
broke its highest temperature record ever at the end of June. And then again last week, Paris got recorded its highest temperature ever. So uh, there's certainly a, a trend of this. Um, I mean, obviously, climate scientists say that you can't link one specific thing to climate change. But um, there was a report on the heat wave at the end of June from the World Weather Attribution team who said that it was five times more likely that that kind of event would happen with climate change. So, as you say, it certainly seems to fit into the general pattern of um, temperatures rising and more extreme weather events that we're seeing. And I can hear from your accent that you, like me... um uh, hail from the United Kingdom. It, yes. You must have been following reports from back home and, and uh, kind of bizarre scenes of of England and and Britain more widely facing these conditions and and people also yeah, talking about wild fluctuations of sort of twenty degrees in a day. Yes, yeah, that was uh, that was weird in uh, in Lincolnshire. I mean, my um, my home county is Yorkshire in in the north, where we don't normally get particularly high temperatures but even there it was 35 which is very very high for uh, for Yorkshire and as you say there was a part in Lincolnshire where we went from 22 degrees to 33 degrees and then back to 22 all in the space of an hour which is just weird um and I think Britain is very not equipped to work to deal with hot temperatures so I think there were a lot of people suffering there as well so one of the expressions of this on social media, and this is kind of across Europe, but including where you are in France, people were um, using the opportunity to post photos of their work commute, wearing kind of like swimming costumes, basically, um, <laughs> uh, plugging in their own electric fans uh, on trains to deal with the absence of facilities that you reflected on before. Um, cooling off and sunbathing at the Trocadero Fountains in Paris. That was another one that uh, has become quite iconic. C- can you tell us a-, a little bit more about some of the ways people are taking upon themselves beyond the, the government action and-, and the guidelines that you described before? Uh, well, yes, my uh, my office is right next to a canal basin, and uh, once it got really hot, you just saw everybody jumping into the canal to uh, to cool off a little bit. Um, the uh, the Paris fountains, the authorities actually encourage you to uh, to get into them when it's really hot. Um, uh, I'm not actually sure whether you're allowed to or not, but they certainly turn a blind eye when it's um, when it's particularly hot, and you see a lot of people splashing around in any kind of open water to uh, to cool down. Um, the uh, the pictures that you referred to of people in their swimwear on um, on public transport, I certainly didn't see any of that in Paris. I think Parisians are a little bit too cool for that. Right. Okay. Uh, but I mean, certainly the experience of London uh, that I have is is that when it gets a bit hot, people will just tear off their clothes. Frankly, they'll they'll they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll treat parks like their beaches, uh, and and suddenly fashion rules change even within the chic world of paris you must have noticed <laughs> changes in in what's acceptable um, yeah to an extent but uh, paris has the, the urban beaches that they set up in the summer anyway so uh, whatever the temperature you'll quite often see people just lounging around on uh, on an urban beach um okay. catching some rays so 
Um, the other uh, thing that we, we see, though, uh, and I don't want to be a party pooper here with all the fun and, and the dealing with the, the heat in, in these creative ways and jumping in fountains, but we've actually done interviews on this in the past, water safety. Um, and I, I can think of two major potential threats. Firstly, if lots of people are jumping in a fountain area that's not particularly well um filtered let's say or or treated for any bacteria content that could be a problem but obviously drowning is another major concern in canals and any other bodies of water that that are not being protected like they should be if if they were official public swimming zones um are there many concerns about that locally uh, yes, definitely. Certainly in the, the heat wave we saw a couple of weeks ago, there were quite a few drowning deaths of, uh, of people who were swimming in uh, in bodies of water that weren't safe. And there's been various public information campaigns to try and uh, make people aware of the dangers of, um, of that. So, uh, so yeah, that's certainly been uh, been a concern. I think we had uh, a few people who were, who had sadly died at the end of June trying to trying to cool off, trying to swim in rivers, lakes, things like that, that you just don't realise quite how dangerous they are. It all looks very nice on a uh, on a hot summer's day to jump into a body of water, but it's not the best idea, really. If we could zoom out on the scene and, and look at this from a perspective of, of uh, decades, if this does become the new normal, governments are going to have to work extremely hard and fast, relatively speaking, to implement new systems, systems to uh, efficiently cope. Uh, Air conditioning probably would be too much money to throw at the problem overnight. Um, It's going to require creative solutions as well, isn't it, Uh, across public spheres. Can you describe some of the efforts that people are taking? I know, for example, in Germany, Green Party leaders have been calling for more green spaces in urban areas that could just help in their own way to lower temperatures. Yeah, certainly, and we've seen that in Paris as well. The um, the local city authorities in Paris have actually been working for quite some time now on um, on these kind of measures in the city. So we're seeing lots more green spaces being opened up, and also trying to get cars out of the city is a uh, is a major priority for the um, the Paris mayor's office at the moment. Um, so there's quite a lot of schemes ongoing. Not all of them are finished yet, but. Um, they're certainly trying to, to green up the city, which obviously brings the temperatures down. Um, and also, I say, try and lower the air pollution, because that's the other thing that we see every time the temperature goes up, the air pollution really spikes in the, in the city. Um, and on some hot days, it can actually be quite hard to breathe. The, yeah, the pollution levels are so high. Um, so now there's rules brought in for cars whenever the... Um, Air pollution goes above a certain level. All older cars are banned from the city centre. Um, and that's going to be expanded in uh, in the future. They're going to be taking more and more cars out of the city, which uh, overall should both improve the air quality and bring the temperature down. Um, and there's also quite a lot being done on um, uh, building design, trying to make buildings that make uh, make cities cool, um, which is a bit of a problem in central Paris because obviously we have these beautiful old buildings which are very uh, architecturally lovely and very picturesque, but they're not actually the most heat-efficient buildings in the world. So uh, they're trying to look at ways that they can make them a bit more heat-efficient, like with them, grass roofs and things like that, again, just to try and bring the, the temperature of the city down a bit. Well, that was one of the other stories from Notre Dame, wasn't it? The idea that uh, the cathedral's gone through this awful fire, it's being rebuilt, and yet the 
less intense, but still intense, relatively speaking, heat wave would cause further damage potentially to the construction work that's being done and, and to the damage uh, areas that are still able to stand. Can, I mean, that's just unbelievable to consider that uh, that the weather could could cause further damage to a fire damage structure. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the structure is still relatively fragile. It's... Um, They've now finished the work in covering over the top and trying to make it as stable as they can. But uh, the fact is, it, it's a, obviously a very old building that was very, very badly damaged. So uh, it certainly had a bit of fragility and we had storms straight after the fire and they were quite worried about it then. But it seems to be, yeah, touch wood still, uh, still standing. So I think it will probably be all right. But it's certainly going to be a long job to get it back to um, to the way it was before. Right, and, and then one final question for, for for people in their homes and and learning from each other. What 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 have they been uh, able to do to to be able to sleep at night? Um, I I presume, as I suggested before, that many people don't have air conditioning, for example. Um, but fans don't really help too much when it gets to a certain temperature. Uh, no, they don't really. Um, to be honest, it's all about keeping your shutters shut in the uh, in the daytime, trying to get the uh, get the glare out when the sun is uh, is shining, which can be a little bit counterintuitive for those of us who come from colder climates, because your instinct is to uh, throw open all the windows when it's hot. But really, the the key is keep all the shutters shut, keep the blinds shut, keep everything shut during the day, um, and that keeps your room much cooler. And then you can. Uh, open it up in the evening when you get a bit of a breeze get the uh, get the fan in um as you said most most homes certainly in paris don't have air conditioning but uh, the problem with you start installing more air conditioning is obviously units raise the temperature of a city as a whole and you're burning yet more electricity which is causing yet more of a problem with climate change yeah. so although it's quite nice for coolness for the moment it's not really a long-term solution for the future exactly right emma pearson reporter of the local france thank you so much for joining us no problem